Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books of Firewater podcast. We apologize for any inconvenience this may cause. Each week, these idiots bear cocktails with comic books. We're a drinking podcast. We're the comic book problem. If Brian gets his shit together, it'll be... No, we can in. just blame Brian. It's fine. Bro, it's Wait, all Brian's fault. <laughs> hey. Oh, man, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. Welcome to episode, Jason, tell me what episode we're on. 173. Uh, 173? Oh, 173 okay. is this week, 174 is next. Okay, so welcome to episode 173 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Uh, I swear that these will eventually come out to the world. Uh, unfortunately, Andy, I, I, I hate to say this, this is probably all going to come out after your birthday month, but uh, they will see the light of day. Uh, speaking of which, we have a very special guest this entire month who curated this week's, or this month's, uh, collection of books, and it's his birthday month, so we celebrate it uh, with a full month of Andy Wilson. So we have joining with us, of course, Andy Wilson. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you know, and every this is just, you know, indicative of the moral and intellectual bankruptcy of Hollywood these days. Something turns out great once, you've got to reboot it, you got to do a sequel. So let's have me back and let's get this over with. Yeah, I mean, I am in California, so I am creatively exactly. bankrupt. So that's that's how it goes. Uh, speaking of creatively bankrupt and in California, Mr. Jason. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't think you're creatively bankrupt. I just wanted to say that. Thailand. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, yes, I am Jason, uh, a writer in Los Angeles. Cool. Um, and then I am legally required to follow up Jason with Mr. Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm the only Utah person here today because the other two aren't. That, that's true. That's all 100% true. That's all 100% too because the other two aren't. We miss you guys. Hopefully next time. But yeah, I'm Todd here in Utah. Reads comics. Talks about them some. Here we go. Talks about some or a lot. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, on the East Coast, our uh, New Yorker presentation, we have Lena. Yes. Hi, guys. I'm Lena. I'm an event manager out of the New York area. So do we have every time zone? Yeah. Right? Do we yeah, have every time zone? No, we don't have anybody in Central. No, I'm Isn't Andy in Central? Yeah, Texas time, baby. Yep. Yeah. We have every oh, time right. zone represented. Okay, so this, we have every time zone represented in this. Yeah, because there are only four. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's true. Okay, none of the others matter. Uh, and hi, I'm Brian. I'm a sure. sound designer and uh, porg photographer from California. You say porg photographer, and all I heard was porn photographer. Thank you. I, I, I heard that as well. Same difference. Just, yeah. So, yeah, just go with that. You need a business uh, card. I was going to do like uh, porg boudoir photography business cards just for my own personal amusement, but uh, I don't know. Vista Print just doesn't seem worth it for them. just that kind of joke. But uh, yeah. For those of you who know me and follow my Instagram, it's just full of porn pictures right now for various reasons. And it's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, they are pretty um, good. I mean, they it went from super creepy to absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So just, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad. I, did you see that? You don't like them <laughs> making it rain anymore, Elena? It did start oh my with God, porn the, the strip club. You. That is where it started. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but here's the problem. It was that because Brian works overnight i would wake up 
to the creepiest set of photos of these porgs doing not so nice things and then then it turned into his art project but they are creepy as hell Ugh. I think it, it doesn't help that the porg's uh, standard facial expression is that of someone going through intense trauma. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw it on my Instagram story yesterday, but I have a little sound effect machine toy that I have at work. And yeah. uh, so I just like, I held the camera on the screaming pork and played the scream and then trimmed it so it was just perfect. And I posted that. It's like, it's just for my own personal amusement, I started sending it to people of like the screaming pork. It's creepy. Wow. It that is. sounds and like the, an amazing opening band Screaming Porgs. Porgs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, speaking of Porgs, we are actually doing a, a Star Wars book today. Uh, Mr. Andy Wilson has picked uh, for us Dr. Afra, uh, which is, uh, she is sort of, as I described her, and Andy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I described her as basically an Indiana Jones-ish character in the Star Wars universe collecting uh, Jedi artifacts who also has a tendency to work with Darth Vader here and there and has two very evil sidekicks. Yeah, I, I think good way to describe I was also thinking uh, another cultural touchstone is she saw Vash from Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, although uh, I guess Vash is a little less evil. Afra seems like uh, she's willing to kill a lot more. Uh, that's true. She may be a little more uh, chaotic evil or something. Okay, so we're going to do votes as to whether or not we believe it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to hunt this book down and give it a read. I'm assuming I know what your vote is since you picked the book, but Mr. Andy Wilson, what is your uh, vote? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Jason? For Star Wars fans, yes. Really? Okay. Uh, I actually like it. Uh, um, I guess I am a Star Wars fan, though, so maybe I can't necessarily weigh in on the non-Star Wars fan, but I, I enjoy this. Uh, Mr. Todd? Absolutely. Yes. And Lena? Um, I second Jason for Star Wars fans. Yeah. Caveat votes. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, Mr. Jason, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, so my drinking game rule is called. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So it's whenever um, the Wookiee in the story, uh, Chris and Tan speaks, take a drink. Okay. Uh, Lena. Um, mine is called Bad Robot. Anytime the droids want to do evil things drink i'm gonna call mine uh you don't want to know uh every time her dad wonders how she knows slash does the things that she does take a drink uh mr andy wilson mine is i didn't go to evil medical school for six years be called mr uh which is a clip from <laughs> uh, from the first off power uh anytime uh there is a mention that she is dr afra take a drink and mr todd mine is called everyone is an upgrade so every time you're reading it and you see a character that has almost a direct counterpart to existing Star Wars characters, and you realize you like these better, take a drink. I, I definitely... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for the murder droids. I have uh, twice at Disneyland, using different methodologies, tried to recreate the murder droids for my own personal amusement. Dude, reading this again, and they make the comment, one of them does, like, oh, look at these shards on the floor. Do you think they notice? And the droid is like, they're our superiors. Of course they did. They are better than us in every single way. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Yep. <laughs> like that's I need that on a t-shirt. Uh, so then let's jump into uh, cocktails. Mr. Todd, what is your uh, cocktail for this week? Well, mine is the grave robber. So that's in honor of Dr. Afra going, yeah, we're just, you know, grave robbers with fancy mm-hmm. paperwork. <laughs> So this drink has a uh, one and a half ounces of vodka, 
three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau and half an ounce of green chartreuse. You want to put all of those into a shaker, shake the shit out of it, pour it into a martini glass, and then put a dash of the pepper and an orange twist on top for garnish and drink to and, and you drink it. Enjoy it on your own if you want to. <laughs> you drink it because whether or not you enjoy it is not necessarily a rule. <laughs> it is if you're Mr. Jason. Mr. Jason, what's your cocktail? Yes. Uh, it's called Chewbacca. Uh, you take half an ounce of Jägermeister, three-quarter ounces of blackberry brandy, uh, half an ounce of grenadine, pour them all into a cocktail shaker over ice, shake the shit out of it, strain it into an old-fashioned glass filled with ice, add some pineapple juice to taste, and because I'm me, you drink to enjoy. Yes. Well, that's a thick, yeah. dark drink right there. Yep. Uh, that's what she said. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to drink I'm calling uh, Buried Treasure. It is uh, one ounce of uh, amaretto. Uh, one ounce of coffee liqueur, so a Kahlua, uh, six ounces of orange juice, and one ounce of whipped cream. So you use a shaker uh, for this. You pour all the uh, alcohol into it with a uh, shaker with ice cubes. You shake the shit out of it. You garnish with a swirl of whipped cream, and you drink to consider enjoying if you so desire. Lena, what is your cocktail? <laughs> it is, it up, is to up to you. I'm not demanding it. Oh, my God. <laughs> So my drink is not a drink. They're shots. Uh, so made for a party. Uh, they're called Vader shots. So it is one mm. ounce of black absinthe, half an ounce of black vodka. You're going to have to clean out your entire liquor cabinet because you need a splash of vodka, a splash of tequila, a splash of rum, a splash of gin, a splash of grenadine, a splash of strawberry liqueur, corn syrup, black sugar, and cherry. A cherry. <laughs> yeah. Get ready, because I actually, I think we need to make these and see how fucked up you get from this. So, rim a shot glass with corn syrup and the black sugar. Add the grenadine and strawberry liqueur to the shot glass. In a mixing glass without ice, add the black absinthe, black vodka, the regular vodka, tequila, rum, and gin. Stir. Layer this black mixture on top of the red layer using a spoon and garnish, garnish with a cherry spear, which is a cherry, and then shoot. If you enjoy it, I have no idea. If you remember, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> they make black anything now. It's sort of bizarre. If you use regular absinthe, it will just look muddy instead of black. Ah, okay. So... So are we going to have to try to make these when you yeah. get out here it's going visiting? To the only thing I need is the strawberry it's going liqueur. To happen. <laughs> I think I have everything else. <laughs> I, don't, I think I've got I'll everything see. else. I think the rest of us are going to have to buy most of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just come to my place. Do you have black absinthe? I need a look. I've got two different absinthe. You can, I can make it black. <laughs> <laughs> You got food coloring, it'll be fine. No one's going to care uh, with all of that in there. What's some food coloring? <laughs> cool. Uh, does anybody else have any, uh, or any uh, warnings before we let people run off to go uh, give this book a read? I would say if, if they're invested in it, they might also think about picking up the Screaming Citadel storyline that comes immediately after this. Uh, also, if you want to learn more about Dr. Afra's uh, sort of beginning, not necessarily beginning, but beginning in the Star Wars books, uh, she first appears in the, I think, the first four issues of the Darth Vader run. Yeah, also by Dylan. Who has yeah. who wrote uh, 
Wicked and the Divine, which is, you know, one of our favorite books on the show as well. So uh, definitely worth checking that out. So, uh, Mr. Wilson, uh, was it just solely because we did Vader Down last year that you followed this up? Or uh, did you have other rationale for picking this book? Well, yeah, and I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for Dr. Afra, um, And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I liked it. Plus, I, I, I have a little bit of a reactionary streak in me. And the fact that... Uh, some Star Wars mm-hmm. fans, the the terrible kind of Star Wars fan, reacted awfully to the idea that like, you mean that girl is going to get her own comic series? And I'm like, yep, and it's pretty good. So shut the hell up. Uh, you know, there there's nothing I like more than kind of sticking my finger in the eye <laughs> of terrible reactionary <laughs> Star fans who we don't like women in our movies and in our comic books. And shut up. Uh, I, I think this is great. Um, you said it really well that like so so many of these people have uh, their own analogs of other Star Wars characters we know, uh, but these are just like great cool versions of them. Uh, I would love nothing better than like evil archaeologist Han Solo, his murder bots, and his murder Wookiee. I think that's the premise. We could mm-hmm. go with that. Yeah, it's fun. And I also love the... I kind of... I'd forgotten the storyline. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening, Andy, honestly, is this inspired me, because I've read this first trade, and then I had a hold for the rest of the trades, and I just never got around to reading them. Um, and so what ended up happening is when I read this book, I just kept going. Uh, so I've almost caught up on the trade so far, and I've really been a fan of where the storyline goes as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been super fun. Uh, but yeah, the murder droids, when they get so disappointed that they can't kill anybody, has like, been my favorite thing in, in these Star Wars comics for a while. It actually. is such a hoot that they're they're like throwing a little hissy fit, and they're just so... You know, as, as much as anything, it reminds me a bit of like the Olsen twins when they were young, and they were told, no, you can't do that. And they're like, oh, shucks, golly, you sure? I really want to... No, maybe it is the ostrucksiness of like they're just so happy and eager to like just torture something because that was literally what they were put on this earth to do or whatever planet they're on. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I love those murder droids. And I, what do they call it? Like torture tease. I think they say at one point in time. It's like, did you torture tease me, Doctor? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I kind of love that phrase. One of my favorite lines that uh, Triple so. Zero says is um, when uh, Doctor Afrofurts uh, sees her dad in the series. Um, she says that uh, uh, she admits to her dad that she, he didn't need to leak some incriminating evidence on her. She would have helped him if he had just asked. And Triple Zero standing behind her says, Master Afro, really? He's just so disappointed in her that she would just willingly do that instead of just uh, put up a fight and be blackmailed. <laughs> yeah. I like when they ended up all droid, the, the evil interrogator uh, from uh, Star Wars, and they're like, oh, we're big fans of your work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lena, I'm curious, uh, what what are your thoughts? Because I, I know you're a bit of a Star Wars fan, but I wouldn't say that you're a hardcore I'm, Star Wars fan. I am fan. nowhere near hardcore stars, Star Wars fan. I do enjoy it. I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen the most recent one that came out, but I've seen all the other ones, okay, including all the like prequels and, and everything and like even the Han Solo movie and Rogue One and all that. So I have seen pretty much everything. So um the the thing I, I think that I liked about this that you don't see in in the movies is that Dr. Afra isn't in any kind of skimpy mm-hmm. clothes. Yeah. She is she is just she's like, I'm going out, I'm doing this stuff, and it is what it is. And there's and even in the in the movies, you know, 
all the other, all the, all the like badass women always have some kind of, she's in a dress or, you know, she's in something that's super skin tight that you can see everything. And the thing that I liked about this was that she, um, she didn't act girly. She didn't act, you know, there, there was no, um, kind of stereotypical way about her. to. She wasn't sexualized, which, yes. Which I loved um, more than anything. And just the fact that it was, um, it's nice to, the thing I did like about it was that I read something where it was like, oh, this is a badass bitch. <laughs> and I like, I love that. I love that there's a, a comic book that she's just, she's awesome. Yeah. In so many ways. And none of it has anything to do with the fact that she's a woman. Like no one, it's just, it's not even um, something that came up or was seen as something Mm -hmm. different. So it was just, I I loved it. I thought that was, that was kind of the one thing that I took away. The, the droids did make me laugh. Um, The evil C3PO. What was Triple zero. Triple triple zero. Yeah. Okay. He, I think, is my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, but beyond that, yeah, I just, I liked her more than anything, mm-hmm. and she's the reason that I kept reading. Um, but the storyline and everything was, you know, whatever. I feel like Star Wars isn't about the storyline, though. Um, Sometimes. I mean,. Maybe, but I feel like even when you when I watched an interview with um with oh god help me I just literally lost his name George Lucas Lucas, Lucas? thank you <laughs> passing I'm Star sorry, Wars I'm fan sorry. just proved it I know yeah <laughs> I'm sorry I'm like I I my allergies and you can ask Jason I have like kicked in full force this week and so I am like sniffling I'm trying not to sniffle and sneeze while I'm talking. So anyway, um Ryan Young is spinning somewhere right now that you did not remember George Lucas. Ryan is a friend of ours from Utah. He was like a super Star Wars nerd to the point that he now writes for StarWars.com. I mean that's awesome. That's not me. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. uh but I I I watched or read an interview with George Lucas where he said that Star Wars was just a soap opera in space. Um, mm-hmm. And so the storyline and the things they go through, yes, are a big part, are, are a part of it. But when you watch Star Wars, a lot of it is how they interact with each other mm-hmm. and the whole premise of, um, you know, good and evil and and family relationships and everything. And so I just, I found it very interesting that that's what this was as well, was mm-hmm. a daughter, you know, having a father who she's trying to set boundaries with. And, and he won't let her set those boundaries. And she's like, I'll do this for you. And then I'm done. And it's mm-hmm. just, it sounds like every family conversation <laughs> that everyone has had at some point in their life yeah. with their parents. So um, I think that more than the actual, like whatever the hell they were looking for was, was kind of the bigger thing for me. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I kind of like continuing on, not to spoil mm-hmm. too much of it, she ends up getting into this, uh, relationship with a uh, an officer who an officer for the empire who kind of keeps falling in and out of favor um like i think 
I think she's been demoted the first time you see her or something like that. But like they have this kind of interesting relationship that goes on as well that I actually really kind of like as the story continues on as well. Uh, try not to spoil further issues of things. But uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Todd, what are your thoughts? You know, I really enjoyed this and love this. What's interesting is you talk about Star Wars and the tropes of what makes a Star Wars story and family's definitely up there as you're watching it, which this mm -hmm. has. I rather like the moment where she was able to have a heart to heart with her dad on the sly yeah, than what she wanted mm -hmm. out of him. She's like, oh yeah, I palmed this off the dead body back there, but <laughs> now we know. Yeah. So yeah. that was cute there. So, but you've got the setting. It always one of the things I really enjoy about Star Wars is they're always seeming to be somewhere that is immensely older than the people yeah. there now. So it's like, I went to Europe briefly one time and everything there is old. And it's like, oh, this is Newtown from 500 years ago. And this place mm -hmm. is like, oh, this is Newtown from millennia ago. And yeah. it always seems that in the Star Wars lore or whatnot, everything is a, a pale shadow of the greatness it once was. Mm -hmm. And they are looking for that. And it's, it always seems as like it, stuff is cobbled together from the ruins of other things. And it never seems more obvious in star Wars. And this really continues that. Um, mm -hmm. I really got a kick out of that. And um, the murder droids, they, I mean, they're just brimming with personality and you've got the Wookiee, the murder Wookiee, and everyone is incredibly consistent as you're watching uh, this and Dr. Afra's and the book is like, dude, I'm out of here. It's getting hot. And I was like, well, when I catch up to you again, I don't blame you, but I get it. I would have done the yeah. same. And when they did catch up, you're like, all right. It's like, no, no, you're, you're, you're just being you. And I recognize you being you and I'm not going to hold it against you. And mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the incredible consistency of the characters, but they're just, it's all just so much fun. And Alfred is such a scoundrel. And she makes no bones about it and continues it. And you just watch this and you're like, you know, this is, um, they really recaptured what made Han Solo so special is they gave her some trappings of Indiana Jones, but kept mm -hmm. such a scoundrel. I'm like, this is great. I, I can read this character for a very long time because she's, um, she's always getting into herself into trouble but she is very resourceful as you're watching this and who she surrounds herself with. The, the cast is fantastic, but probably reading this, I, I would want to compare it a bit to rogue one. My biggest complaint with rogue one is the protagonist herself, Jen Orso was the least interesting person in that cast. I didn't okay. care at all. The surrounding supporting cast were great, but I didn't care about her. But yeah. here, Afra is fantastic. And I still, and everyone else is still fantastic. So mm -hmm. as they're going on their many adventures, episodic or not, it's just, it's a great time. And I, everyone, yeah, it's just a great, I was just reading this and I'm like, this is bubblegum pop Buck Rogers esque stuff at its finest. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is really at the heart of, of star Wars stuff is that, that Buck Rogers kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Mr. Jason, I have a question for you. Speaking yes. of the, uh, of the rogue one kind of thing, I've always sort of argued the fact, and you can tell me if I'm correct or not, that I felt like, uh, Jen or, or so, and sometimes you see other characters like that, that aren't necessarily as developed as the characters around them. I felt like that was a technique to try to give the audience a latch point to identify with, to take you through the world. But is it, but Dr. Africa kind of proves it wrong because she has enough personality, but she's also the, the driving force that kind of makes you want to read it. And I don't know if that's a, 
if that's a deliberate choice that's just not done well, or I'm reading into something that's not common. I think you're, you're definitely talking about the archetype that Luke Skywalker embodied in the, the original trilogy. Okay. Um, less so in the, uh, in the second or the sequel trilogy, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of agree with Todd that uh, Rogue One isn't a very strong Star Wars movie uh, for its main character. Um, I have other problems with the movie in, uh, entirely, but she's sort of exists as a, uh, a rebellious character who doesn't do that much rebelling. She just sort of gets in with a group and a lot of other people do the work around her. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, she's sort of uh, kind of an empty vacuum of a character. Um, okay. I might be putting it a little bit too harshly, but you're right that Afra exhibits a lot more personality uh, and it's, it is very much like a Han Solo or an Indiana Jones character um, who has uh, their own drives and passions and uh, motives that may not align with the other characters around them. So I think that's what makes it interesting is the conflict of that. Very cool. Uh, Mr. Jason, we got much thoughts from you on this? Sure. Uh, so um, I kind of pulled a uh, Elena this week and read more than I had to. <laughs> so did I, um, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did actually read the Screaming Citadel uh, storyline that follows this. And I think that that... Um, because as I was going back and, and um, looking at uh, this six-issue set that just comes in, in the first volume, it's not that deep for me. It's, there's a lot of very interesting stuff, and as a Star Wars fan, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But uh, the stuff with her father, while, while good and interesting, isn't all that deep, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, but in the following storyline, you get more uh, original uh, original trilogy characters of Star Wars. You get the conclusion of the, um, the giant crystal that she takes from the Ordu uh, space station. You get mm -hmm. the uh, Aberson symbiotes who come back as a large part of the story. Um, whereas those are just sort of um, weird sci-fi things that are introduced and don't really have a payoff in this uh, six issue set. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I was kind of like, it's, it's good and it's fun. And, and as a Star Wars fan, I enjoyed it very much, but it doesn't really pay off until the following um, series. Okay. Uh, that being said, I, I did really enjoy it, and especially the beginning of issue, issue one, which is essentially a Star Wars retelling of the beginning to Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. except if the main character were Belloc instead of Indiana Jones, because yeah. Belloc takes the idol from Indy. Yeah. Um, and that's just who Afra is. Uh, and then even at the end, uh, after she gets the large crystal from the Ordu space station, she gives the crystal back to uh, these top men who put it in this giant space warehouse, but ends up being a fake crystal because then the storyline mm -hmm. continues. Mm -hmm. But I like that uh, book ending with the Raiders references. Okay. Very cool. Uh, does anybody else have uh, other thoughts they want to bring up about this? I just thought all of this was, and as a giant Star Wars fan, I really liked how deep they went into Old Republic and pre-Old Republic uh, Jedi lore. And the idea you know, there, there were different sects and uh, schisms within the Jedi Order and different points where people went bad and the conflicts that those created. There's just such a giant universe mm -hmm. to explore. And I love being able to get just that little glimpse into, into that. It's, it's really fun and really satisfying. And reminds me how vast this universe is and all of the different types of ways that we can tell. And I think that's one of the things I like so much about Star Wars is that it doesn't have to be one thing. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I did like about Ron is that it is a war movie. It's very much like 
the longest day, uh, something like that. And, um, you know, we can have genres that exist within what we think of as Star Wars. They don't all have to be these, you know, swashbuckling space operas with laser swords. Um, we, you know, as, as has been pointed out many times here, we essentially have uh, a, a a version to degree of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but uh, we're also getting, you know, mystical Jedi lore in there and uh, a bunch of a bunch of other things. So, I, th- I that's what really worked. And on on top of that, uh, you had the family drama, mm-hmm. which made this a lot more universal. Um, you know, even if Star Wars wasn't hitting for you, uh, most of us have. Uh, problematic relationships with our adult parents as we're adults. And, and I think that is, uh, I, I speak for yourself about being an adult. Um, <laughs> you've been adulting great this week, <laughs> this week I've been adulting great. I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very proud of this. I, for the first time in my adult life have a headboard. Yes. I invested fun. <laughs> I'm adulting really well this week. I'm super excited about it. So, Headboards are overrated. I'm just saying. Well, but this one has storage built into it, which I'm kind of excited about. Like it has like a bookshelf one. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice then. I also came to the realization, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with this. I realized that IKEA is basically Lego sets for adults. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Cool. Anybody else have other thoughts? I actually do want to point out um, when Dr. Afra and her father are initially talking about the Ordu Aspectu, um, which is the you know Star Wars name for the ancient. Uh, not Jedi Jedi sect. Um, I did like that they had sort of a Rashomon uh, approach to telling what they were up to um, with uh, her father believing oh, yeah. that they were a, a sort of a noble group of force users rebelling against uh, more um, just uh, strict Jedi versus Afra who believes that they were more likely Sith who were committing atrocities on innocent people. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, such a great lens on what she views archaeology to be all about and how how he's approaching it. You know, they're going out to find these uh, mm-hmm. artifacts and so forth. And yeah, she's in it from but also at some point there was probably uh, a young girl who actually got excited about, you know, finding uh, and and learning these sort of things. So I like that. Yeah. It might also be a way for her to uh, sort of morally excuse stealing from those sites if she believes that uh, whomever she's stealing from uh, was not a good person. Well, I mean, she's well, vaguely not a good person all the time herself either. Uh, right. But <laughs> <laughs> I like the character. I kind of didn't want to totally throw her under the bus, but you know, that's how it goes. I, so. No, I think, I think we, we, we like layers. We like, you know, chaotic neutral characters. She's not all good. She's not all bad. She's somewhere in the middle. Uh, she kind of can work both sides. She's in it for herself. She's going to take what it takes to, mm-hmm. you know, to take care of herself and get out of the scrape and into the next one. I, I like, I think that's, that's a, that's an interesting character that mm-hmm. there's a great article on nine earlier this year. that We don't need quote unquote strong female characters anymore. We've had another trope of strong female characters. Now what we need are complicated female characters, uh, women who mess mm-hmm. up, women who are uh, just as, multi-layered and uh, make mistakes as most of the male characters that we're thinking of. You know, when I think of like, great characters in, in movies, um, you know, I think about, about like, uh, 
like a Michael Leone and the Godfather. Is he all good? There are some noble things about him on the other hand. Mm -hmm. um, But he is trying to take care of his family. That's, that's complicated. And the more that we can have uh, complicated female characters, Mm -hmm. I just think that's great. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and like Lena pointed out, you know, she doesn't have to be sexualized. Uh, she's not there to uh, be my girlfriend, even though that, that kind of makes me fall in love with her even more. But mostly, the thing that, that I came away like, th- these are my friends from high school. This was, you know, that goth girl that I hung out with that, you know, we d- there was no, like, romantic thing on between us. It's just she was a badass, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I liked hanging mm-hmm. out with her school. I like Afro, even like, and, and talking about her relationship that get, happens a little bit later, it's sort of on that weird borderline too, where it's like, they're both kind of from opposite sides of the, of the, of the uh, conflict that they're coming in at. They both sort of recognize that they have this attraction towards each other and it, it's all mm-hmm. kind of sweet, uh, but also sort of like, it, it sort of feels like a James Bond kind of thing. You know what I mean? Almost like, uh, it's they're having this moment now, but it's not going to last forever. Uh, but like, I don't know. I, I do like, I, I, sh- I actually really just like this character and where she evolves and where she goes. Um, I think she would be actually a really interesting, like TV show and or movie, uh, but they'd probably ruin it to be honest with you. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, well then let us jump into uh, grades. Uh, you picked the book. So uh, you get to do the first of the final grades. Mr. Wilson, what is your grade? Yeah, A minus. I sort of lump all those in together. I think this was a great book. I really enjoyed it. I want to read more of it. And that's like the best thing you can say about a given comic book. For sure. Uh, Mr. Jason. It is a B plus for me for reasons. For reasons. Okay. Uh, Lena, I put it down. Let's see if my prediction is correct. What is your grade? Let's see. Are you good? Uh It's a B. Hey, 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 I would say, hey, read this, because oftentimes, and comics can do a really good job of fleshing out existing characters, but it's like, oh, you know, the universe, look, here is more universe, but it's not those main characters, and this does a wonderful Mm -hmm. job of that. So, yeah. So, yeah, this would be a kind of book I would hand off to other people. It's like, check this out. Tell me what you think. It's interesting you say that, because that's actually part of my critique of, like, Star Wars Land at Disney, is that, like, I feel like it's a bad cover band version of a Star Wars land. Cause it's like, if you go to Harry Potter land at universal, you get to mm. go into a, a, a land that you saw in the movies. But if you go into Star Wars land, it's like, it's a made up planet. It's a made up civilization. It's a made up backstory. And they've added comics to it. Stuff like that. But like, it's, it's sort of like, okay, this is kind of like Star Wars, but it, it's not like there's the cantina. It's not the same as cantina. You know, you know what I mean? Other than the millennium Falcon being there, which is still very impressive. You know, um, but interesting. Yeah, I, I just for me, I just I, I think I think going somewhere completely different and doing your own independent thing, I think is kind of a mistake. But I think it does work in this particular case, um, and I think that might have to do with maybe the medium, maybe the the, the creatives involved. I don't know exactly what it is that does that, but uh, I think this is similar idea, but far more successful in my opinion. Uh, cool. All right. Hey, Brian, wait, I yeah. have a question. Wait, the cantina at Star Wars Land isn't 
the same cantina oh, in the movie? It's a completely different planet, completely different city. It's uh, called the Black Spire Outpost. It's on a made-up planet called Batu. Um, and there's a rebel base. That they're all made up on it, Ryan. <laughs> Don't ruin it for me, Andy. <laughs> I just... I, well, now I definitely don't want to go because I thought that was like the whole... Oh, you go for the Millennium Falcon. You go for the Millennium Falcon. Well, and see, the, the cantina always has a crazy line. I haven't... I've, I've been to the park three times since Star Wars Land opened. I've never gotten in there. And everyone I know who's been well, in... Well, someone's a fan. <laughs> fight me um but, uh, <laughs> but yeah like and like i've never gotten in and the and like once you get in it's like 45 minute wait and or you only have 45 minutes that you can actually have it there so basically you have to order your two drinks right up front so you have enough time to drink them before they kick you out um and yeah and like they don't have the cantina band instead it's I think it's actually this from what I've been told or seen it's, it's voiced by PB Herman. So it's sort of like the same robot that was in star tours before they updated it and put C3PO in there. Um, yes. Yeah. Rex. So it's now, but now he's a DJ. So uh, it's, you know, he, he got kicked out of being a pilot and, you know, fell in hard times and now became a, a DJ at a, a club in Batu. But uh, that yeah. makes sense. So, uh, that's that's how it goes. Right. Uh, anyway, getting back on track, uh, our GPA <laughs> is a three point four eight, which is All right. a, above a B plus, not quite an A minus. But uh, yeah, Jason Lana dragged those scores down just a little bit, but that's okay. We'll forgive them. As always, thank you very much for joining us, and thank you, Andy, for uh, for joining us and picking up books. Uh, next week, we are going to be reading uh, Dark Avengers Siege, uh, which is issues 13 through 16 and the annual. So uh, we will see you next week, and uh, have a good one, and uh, let's see what... Oh, well, we'll see you all later. I'm so tired, I don't even remember what the hell I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> 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 and we'll do that before we press stop. <laughs> <laughs>